The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. Before there was radio, TV, or podcasts, people gathered together to tell stories. These stories were meant to entertain or educate. It really drew people in and helped them forget their troubles of the day and experience something they've never imagined before or maybe illustrated something in a way that was more easily to mentally digest. This tradition has been reborn in the forms of not only RPGs and LARPs, but in console, card, and board games as ways to tell a story and bring you into the tale. We're going to be talking about news, kickstarters of games you should be aware of, and interview a guest about a topic that involves some aspect of storytelling. We welcome you to the Adventure Party. Hello and welcome to the 20... uh, Oh my god. Uh, we're off to a great start here. Hello, and welcome to the 28th gathering of the Adventure Party on this, the 18th of October. I'm your party leader, Brad Ludwig. We ask that you peace tie your swords, holster your blasters, and make sure you don't run afoul of the Brotherhood while you are gathered at the meeting table. Uh, no guests this week, but you know what? We don't care. We're going to talk about stuff, and we're going to have fun anyway. Uh, and to do that, I have my second-in-command here, Glenn Bittner, and he is a movie reviewer. He does a show on YouTube called The B-Movie Bunker, and he is hip-deep in the 31 Days of Horror. What, what is that specifically called? 31 Days of Horror. Boom. See, I got... <laughs> I blow Where the intro, like? and I, like I'm, now I'm like all nervous that I'm going to blow something else, and, and I was right anyway. Well, there you go. And, by the way, he ha- uh, has created an RPG called Mist Runner that we've spoken about uh, uh, numerous times, and you should really check that out. Uh, how are you, Glenn? I am pretty darn good. A little tired because I've been watching a lot of freaking movies, but... <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, I'm pretty good. Excellent. Uh, yeah, just uh, just got my desktop computer back. Uh, been doing the show on the Chromebook, which hey, it, it worked. Um, but uh, now I've got my box updated. I've got Windows 10 on it. Still kind of getting used to that. I was using Windows 7 before. Um, seems pretty cool, but now I'm like starting over. So I've had to re-download drivers and stuff like that and it's been been a little weird trying to get things back to where they were but uh by golly it's happening um just like we always do we're gonna round table uh game review we're gonna talk some game news uh gonna have our old friend uh ryan murphy give us a computer gaming news and uh, console gaming news and uh then we're gonna jump into our discussion so first up is a interesting review of I read a little bit about this and I am very, very intrigued. Tell us about Mysterium. Mysterium. All right. Uh, Mysterium is, it's actually, this is a remake of a, I believe Hungarian game, which I'm not going to try to pronounce. (laughs) Um, Fair enough. The original creators were uh, Alexander Nevisky and Oleg Sidorenko. Um, you're probably going to see this in the States uh, being distributed through Asmodee, um, who has done just some amazing games as of late. Uh, we are looking at two to seven players, and playing time is probably about 30 to 
30 to 90 minutes, I would say, depending on how good people are in the game uh, as far as figuring out clues, what the game is. So we have a little backstory. In the 1920s, Mr. McDowell, a gifted astrologist, immediately detected a supernatural being upon entering his new house in Scotland. He gathered eminent mediums of his time for an extraordinary seance on Halloween, or Samhain, actually, and they have seven hours to contact the ghost and investigate any clues he can provide to unlock an old mystery. Unable to talk, the amnesic ghost communicates with the mediums through visions, which are represented in the game by illustrated cards, and the medium must decipher the image to help the ghost remember how he was murdered by who killed him, where did it take place, and what weapon did they use so that the ghost can pass on and shuffle off this mortal coil veil thing. So, it, uh, um, I, I just took a, a quick look at this, and the name, which uh, I'm not sure I could pronounce at all, but it actually translates from Polish to English as Mysterious Homestead. To to Gnitzke the most well or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So um the game is pretty darn nifty. Um it is also pretty darn hard. Um so the way it's played is one player will be the spirit, and everyone else plays uh different uh, the different mediums. And each medium has to unlock clues to a person, a place, and a thing. So if we were playing, for example, a six-player game, there would be uh, one person playing the ghost, there would be five mediums, but then there would be six uh, people, six places, and six things that the mediums have to get. And each, each medium has one of each that corresponds to them. So at the end of the game, there will be five piles of possible culprits, along with the location and the murder weapon. Um, yeah, so the ghost has a stack of really beautifully rendered art cards. And then on the table in front of everyone, you have you have the cards with the different people, you have the different locations and the different items. And starting with people, the ghost is gonna hand out cards from his hand um, to basically give clues to the identity, of, the identity of a person. And you really have to think a lot because it could be, well, he gave me two pink cards and Okay, there's some birds here, so, but there's a lot of pink. And this woman here is dressed all in pink. So you might be giving clues based on just simply color schemes. Or you might go with ones like, well, a bunch of these here, like, have, like, the, those look like those look like crosses. These look like angels. Maybe he's trying to point me towards the nun. So as the mediums, you can all discuss openly to help each other try to guess your clues. Um, the thing is, is that, as the ghost is handing out clues, once he hands the final clue out to the last of the mediums, you start a two-minute sand timer, and you have to have basically voted on who you think each person's thing is by that time, by the, before the time runs out. If you do, the ghost that will then let you know whether or not you were correct or incorrect. If you're correct, then your next set of clues on the next hour will be for the location and so on. If you're not correct, you keep the clues you have, then in the next hour, the ghost will give you more clues. Um, you have seven hours of game turns, not actual real hours. Yeah, I was going to uh, say <laughs> seven <laughs> hours. Seven hours to uh, figure out uh, each minute to figure out who their person is, what the location is, and and their item. If you accomplish that by the before the seventh hour, you then make a separate pile for each medium's group. 
and then the ghost will give you three final clues. One pertaining to the uh, culprit, one pertaining to the location, and one pertaining to the item. However, you won't know which one is which. He's just going to hand you three clue cards, and you have to decipher which group that is referring to. It is pretty darn challenging. Um, I played it last night. They One guy plowed through his stuff right away. He had everything uh, figured out by turn four. <laughs> on his on, on his his three, so he he knew who, who his person was, what his location was, what his item was, and uh, you can still help other players even though you figured all of yours out, and you get a bonus by figuring it out early because at the end of the game, based on how well you performed during the course of of everything up to now, determines how many of the three final cards you get to see. Oh. So if you if you did really really well, you're probably going to see all three cards. If you did really poorly, you're only going to see one. So, and the the final vote you can't discuss. Everyone has to vote in secret. <laughs> so that's that's where it really gets hard. And I mean, I've I've had some people have complained that the game is too hard. I just view that as an extra challenge. Um, I mean, some of the games I've played co-ops that we have not won yet where we are currently approaching double-digit losses. I like games like that. If, I mean, it has to be fun, of course. It can't be impossible. But um, it's just it's fascinating to see how people's minds start to work as you hand out the clues. It's also frustrating if you're the ghost when someone blurts out exactly what you intended by the clue, and then the rest of the group talks them out of it. Uh, I had one particular one I was I, I couldn't figure out person's location was a kitchen that was the location that was the picture i had nothing in my hand relating to food or anything but i did have a picture of the eiffel tower so in my mind i'm going well it's the only card i have that works so i hand them the eiffel tower hoping they will put together oh french french cooking kitchen bingo as soon as i put that card down one girl goes oh like french cooking and then everyone says oh but it could be over here this is like french decor i'm like i want to scream no, but the ghost can't talk, so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, of course, then they all guess the wrong thing. They end up guessing the wrong thing. And then the next turn, I finally get a food cart, a cart with food, and I had to them, and they're like, well, it could be the kitchen, but this other one over here is like, oh, my God, stop. You're overthinking now, which is one of the things you can do is, is you, you, you try to find some connection and you'll stretch as far as you can at times to find a connection. Sometimes it just pops, and you know it. Other times, you can't for life you figure it out. And sometimes if you're a ghost, you have nothing good to give them. You can you have uh, these ravens that you can cash in, depending on the number of players, how often you can do it, to discard your hand and draw a new hand. But, man, sometimes you just have cards, and you're like, I got nothing. Trying to get someone to get a bathroom when you've got nothing in your hand that in any way signifies a bathroom, it's hard. It's really hard at times, but I loved every minute of it. And <laughs> they, they lost on the final. Uh, they could not get the, the things together. And again, that was because I had, I had nothing. I, well, I had, I had good clues for other people who weren't the actual murderer. So I'm like sitting in my hand and I've got a top hat. Well, I can't use that as a clue because there's a magician out there who is not the killer, so that won't work. There's another card with a bunch of crosses that I used earlier in the game 
to identify the nun. And I'm like, well, if I use crosses again, they're going to go for the nun, and it's not her either. So there's two cards in my hand I can't play no matter what else on them corresponds to what I need because I know that their brains are going to go, oh, well, the top, that's obviously the magician. Because if you can figure out one of the three at the end, I mean, you know who the, what the whole thing is because it's all a group. So if you if you can figure out, oh, it was the magician, then you know it's the magician in the basement with, you know, a rope because those are all one set that one medium figured out. It's got a really interesting, interesting dynamic to it. And uh, especially when once, depending on how quickly the ghost hands out clues, it can be the ghost you want to, you can manipulate the time a little bit, but you don't want to waste too much time because you don't want to make the game ending up being too easy. I watched some other people playing this and they didn't use the two minute sand timer and they're taking like 30 minutes per round and they played like for like three and a half hours Ugh. and they won because they spent 20 minutes debating every card. No, oh, yeah. So, and, and I mean, fine. If that's the way you want to play, that's great, but that's not the way the game is meant to be played. It's meant to be played where you have, you know, kind of a built in time limit. You have to figure this out tonight because if you don't, the ghost is forced to roam the roam this mansion for another year until you can try again on the next Samhain. <laughs> and on top on top, top of the game itself, I mean, it's it's beautifully made. And there is another game out there called Dixit, which is a great game that uses uh, it's kind of like an apples to apples but with pictures. And this game, the the cards that come with it for the ghost, the, the clue cards, are an exact match for Dixit cards as far as size and everything. And basically you buy this game and you've got this great game Mysterium and you've got a giant Dixit expansion along with it. So double duty out of a game. I love it. That's amazing. That sounds yeah. really cool. Yes. And I mean, the rules are really hard to read through. Um, it, it, it's a little confusing. So the best way to learn this one, which I think the best way to learn most games is to play with someone who has played before. And it is yeah. recommended if you've played before, you should be the ghost. Sure. Yep. But yeah, I just, I got a, a huge kick out of this when I saw it at Gen Con and they have such a, an awesome, I believe I mentioned it in my, in my Gen Con roundup while I was down there and on the podcast, because they had such a cool display for it as well going on with, they had like the setup, like, you know, like a fortune tellers, you know, little tent area where they were doing the demos and the ghost <laughs> was, the ghost was just all in black and, wouldn't actually didn't say anything so <laughs> that's cool and they even re they even recommend that the ghost shouldn't talk at all which i think is fine if you're playing with people who've all played before first time through if you're, if you're teaching the game you have to talk a bit but i like the fact that what you what they recommend doing is like you know if, if you're the ghost you know you don't talk but to let people know if they're yes or no you can go like two knocks for yes one knock for no oh yeah like you no. know, be more like you know a ghost trying to communicate <laughs> that can't talk so oh hearkening back to the uh days of spiritualism in the uh late 1800s yeah nice no it sounds like a great game and uh how much does that uh typically run uh mysterium oh boy no i knew you're gonna ask me this and i completely forgot to look it up it looks um, like it's around mysterium retails for 50 dollars. okay okay so yeah definitely well within the price range of of the games that we normally talk about that uh usually uh are beautifully made 
beautifully illustrated and this game is is no exception to that rule so mysterium by asmoday you said asmoday nice who's doing the printing of this a uh, another fine game by the people of asmoday yep and i hope it's big because my store is getting like 90 of them <laughs> <laughs> is that all yeah that's a lot that, that, that's a lot for this type of game well yeah yeah absolutely but uh, you know, it it sounds like a great, challenging game mm-hmm. that uh, can be a lot of fun, especially for a group of people that know each other, or a good way to get a group of people who don't really know each other uh, to uh, to try to communicate <laughs> with each other. Yes. Um, so it sounds like a good uh, thematic kind of icebreaker sort of a game. Um, yeah. Which. Um, it, it you know when you were talking about it, it, it sounded to me a little bit like a twist on Clue. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, uh, uh, it definitely is, um, but it's got the cooperative element. Yes, and it does not have the thing I hate. I hate about the unit Clue is the dice. Yeah, I think the game would be perfect, perfectly great game without the dice, because I've played a game more than once where my first roll, I rolled a one, I moved one space. My second roll, I moved a one, I moved one space. And it took me four turns to even get into a single room. <sighs> so everyone else has already, you know, been, you know, going through their hand and, and getting all these clues and making, you know, making their guesses. <laughs> and I can't even get into a freaking room. So I, I, I'm not a big fan of the roll, and gen, generally of the roll and move type of thing. Sure. Unless there's something else I can do while I'm rolling and moving. Yeah. In Clue, if you roll and you don't, you don't get the move, you just do nothing. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't yeah. do anything if you're not in a room. Yeah. That, so. that, that does suck a lot. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, Absolutely. We are going to move on to talking about something that's that's pretty huge and – uh, Fallout 4, I mean, unless you live under a rock, you know, A, it's coming, B, that it's absolutely beautiful, uh, and they Bethesda just released a couple more uh, videos, and one of them is a trailer that they did as kind of a live-action slash uh, CGI. Um, it's, it's so worth watching. Um, and we got a uh, news article here from express.co.uk. Uh, follow, follow up for launch news. Having slowly drip-fed fans new details of uh, Fallout 4, Bethesda looks to be ready to go large when it comes to the game's full release. The studio... Whoever wrote this needs to be beaten. Their, their, their tenses for things are just off. The studio has a huge range of gear set to launch alongside the game in November, which is just a few weeks away, uh, including a Fallout Christmas jumper, (laughs) a Fallout 4 merch bundle, a pop vinyl figures series, and mystery minis, uh, as well as a limited edition collector's guide and the Fallout Monopoly set. However, for those in the UK hoping to snap up the Fallout Monopoly edition, there is still no confirmed word whether it will be officially launched outside of North America. So uh, us colonials uh, seem to be getting the better end of the deal here. 
Uh, it's understood that the board game could head over uh, the Atlantic Ocean next year following the game's release. Bethesda has also put together a women's collection of clothing and items, the festive Fallout Vault Tech Christmas Jumper, which is listed at uh, $34.99. Uh, that's pounds, so 35 pounds essentially. Uh, the merch bundle at uh, about 100 pounds. The pop vinyl and mystery minis are at uh, about 8 pounds, while the limited edition collector's guide is listed at about 25 pounds. Uh, features seven lithograph lithograph images of Vault Boy and a poster-sized world map, which is always incredibly handy when you are roaming the desolate wastelands of the Fallout world. And uh, you can get more details by going to Bethesda's website. Again, that article came from express.co.uk. Um, I know you're a board gamer. I know that you... Uh, you know, do some RPGs, usually as you running them. Uh, you do play some computer games. Uh, big fan of Fallout or and or looking forward to Fallout 4? Um, well, the Fallout series, I mean, I may have pre-ordered this game three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I've been waiting for this... Uh, for quite a while. As much as I liked um, Fallout New Vegas, I am very happy to see Bethesda doing it again. Um, not that I, you know, I, mean, I, I enjoyed the heck out of Fallout New Vegas, but Fallout 3 was just an amazing game, and the fact that this is going to be like, if you listen to the, some of the talk going on, this is going to make Fallout 3 look like a freaking Pong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, apocalyptic Pong. Yeah. I, everything that I've seen so far for, about Fallout 4 has just been jaw-droppingly awesome. Um, yeah. They've really kind of pulled out all the stops on it, and I, I'm kind of wondering how much they've spent in development <laughs> to, to put together such an awesome game. But uh, people are so rabid for this, for Fallout 4, I'm certain they're going to make their money back. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... One of the things I've, as far as the production levels, so Fallout 4 has more lines of recorded dialogue than Fallout 3 and Skyrim combined. Oh my God. <laughs> They've recorded over 111,000 lines of dialogue. Oh, wow. That's insane. So, yeah. But that's... That's a good kind of insane, especially for one of the biggest criticisms always of console and PC games is replayability. And the thing about Fallout 4 with the number, I'm sorry, let's let's rule that back. With Fallout 3 and New Vegas, you had a lot of side quests and things that you could do, different characters you could run into. Um, God, and the names that they got to do, you know, like uh, what Felicia Day did a voice from for New Vegas. Yeah. Um, God, they they uh, they did a, a DLC, uh, which you you end up. It's like a mad scientist thing, and you get pulled into like a mad scientist's lair, and you are knocked unconscious, and you are 
basically a brain in a suit and you have to find your body and put it back together. And there is another brain in there that is one of the scientists and that's voiced by Jackson Public, who of course does the voice of Dr. Thaddeus Venture uh, from the Venture Brothers. Um, those are the two names that I can think of offhand, uh, but they usually, uh, Wayne Newton did the, uh, he was the uh, DJ in Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> so, I mean, they they spared nothing to, to put forward uh, an exceptional game and everything that Bethesda has put out Fallout-wise has been pretty spectacular and they just keep making it bigger and better. So Yeah, they do. And uh, gosh, I, uh, Anessa and I have a Funko prop pop problem. Um, it just uh, we just picked up. Uh, here's Agent May from uh, Agents of Shield, the bobblehead. Um, oh, here's something that you'll enjoy since you are in the season. Ugh. Here is a. Freddy Krueger with uh, hypodermic needle hands. That'd be from Dream, Dream Warriors. Yep. I ended up picking that up. So, and since we're also in the season, I this is for Alex. I got a zero Yay. from the Nightmare Before Christmas <laughs> with the little jack-o'-lantern nose. <laughs> oh, kills me. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so uh, like I was saying, we have a Funko Pop problem, and uh, GameStop is one of the uh, companies that does get exclusives. Like they got, uh, sure, here it is. Uh, they got the uh, evolving Dalek Sec exclusive figure at GameStop, and uh, so we stop in there, and as I was talking to uh, the person behind the counter, um, they have a a Fallout collected set uh, for PC, and it is in um, basically it looks like it's in an old A bomb casing. So you open it up, and that's where the games are. <laughs> and I haven't checked the price on it. I'm sure it's probably close to a hundred bucks. But I mean, if you are like a completist fan of the Fallout series, having having that like nuclear bomb. I mean, it's done in the same color stylings with that kind of drab yellowish brown um, for the main casing. And the, the lettering on the bomb is like a dark, dark brown. It's just, you know, they think about these things uh, from a marketing standpoint and from everything else in such a way that it's just, it's one of those have to have games for people that enjoy, uh, you know, RPG turn-based combat uh, on console and PC. It just, uh, it's lightning in a bottle that they seem to keep on reproducing and they fire up the old uh, money press every time they put something out. So good for them. All right. Well, speaking of computer games, we are going to move on and uh, have Ryan Murphy give us a, a bit of the Galactic Gaming news, and he's a regular contributor to Galactic Netcasts, and he covers a lot more of the digital beat and gets more in-depth in computer gaming, and he has another update for us. So please, take it away, Ryan. 
Welcome to Galactic Gaming News for the week of October 11th. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy. Let's take a look at the headlines from out of this world. First up, big news. Destiny is getting microtransactions for the greater good. And that's my opinion. Of course, the internet has been all over the place, but I think reaction has been mostly positive. On Tuesday, October 13th, Tess Everest will return to the tower with a new look, a new storefront, and some new items to sell, courtesy of Eververse Trading Company. To acquire these items, you'll first need to pick up some silver, a new in-game currency that will be available for purchasing through the store associated with your console. Also, they'll be dropping some free silver into your account so you can purchase an, an emote or two and become legend through the power of dance. So basically how it breaks down is Destiny, rather than going with the traditional model they used last year in a season pass, an overpriced season pass, might I add, what they're going to do is they're going to offer microtransactions on emotes. So you're dancing, you're pointing, your gestures, that sort of thing. Totally optional stuff from what we've seen so far. And that will allow Bungie to fund development of story content and new experiences throughout the year, not just at key moments in the year. So really interesting. As someone who's gotten back into Destiny and, and just dreading the moment when they run out of story content to, to, to enjoy... Really happy that maybe at the very least once a month I'll have something new to look forward to as in a new piece of the story because the Taken King leaves it in a place where it's like, oh, I want to know what happens next. Anyways, enough about Destiny. Let's move into the uh, another galaxy far, far away. Star Wars Battlefront. The beta is here. The beta is available now on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I have not tried it yet, although... It, this is good news for me because it's been extended to October 13th, originally scheduled to end on Canadian Thanksgiving, the 12th, will now go into uh, the normal day of Tuesday, October the 13th. Modes available include Pod Control, Survival, Survival, and Walker Assault. You can play as hero characters Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, as well as a couple of other, like, I don't know, probably Star Wars normal dudes. The, the clone, the white guys, the clone troopers things. Anyways, I'm not a huge Star Wars person. I appreciate it from afar. Anyways, I'm interested. I want to try it. I want to try the beta before the game comes out. The game comes out November 17th, a month before episode seven. I don't know if I'm going to pick up the game proper, but I do want to try it out. So I will definitely check out this beta and report back next week. Finally, our release for next week is Back to the Future 30th Anniversary. Back to the Future of the Game is an episodic game that consists of five episodes that were released monthly between December 2010 and June 2011. For the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future, Telltale will re-release the games on PS4 and Xbox One. The re-release features Tom Wilson reprising his role as Biff from the film, along with updated textures and behind-the-scenes videos. This is interesting. I played the first episode of Back to the Future and enjoyed it. I really like that series, and I really like that they had Christopher Lloyd back and a really good-sounding uh, Marty McFly sound-alike. And I never finished it, but I liked where it was going. So maybe I'll pick it up on PS4 and, and try it again. We'll see. But that's out next week, this Tuesday, actually. This has been Galactic Gaming News, a weekly segment for Galactic Netcasts. For everything I do, go to ryanmurphy.ca or follow me on Twitter at rmurphy. If you're interested in more video game goodness, be sure to check out the Gamers Inn at GamersInPodcast.com. Each week, Joss and Moffat and I run down the games we've been playing, chat industry news, and take questions or comments from listeners like you. 
This week on the Gamers In website, we posted our review of Uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection. So if you're interested in replaying or trying anew the Uncharted franchise on PlayStation 4, definitely go to GamersInPodcast.com and read that review. I really liked it. There's also some video in there that will give you an idea of what that game looks like, updated for the PS4. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. And to my fellow Canadians, happy Thanksgiving. All right. Thank you for that, Ryan. Uh, Next up here, we're going to get into the Kickstarter spotlight. And you brought Folklore the Affliction to the table. Why don't you give us a little rundown on that and give us an update, Glenn? Folklore the Affliction. All right. Folklore the Affliction is a cooperative game where you play uh, basically like hunters of like big, bad, mean nasties taken right out of your nightmares. So werewolves, ghosts, zombies, vampires, all that kind of stuff. Basically creatures taken out of, you know, folklore and mythology. Um, These guys, uh, they were looking for $55,000. They have eight days left. And with 1,300 backers, they're sitting at $214,000. So, so they're definitely going to be making this game, which is good. Um, I then hope that this will then make it into retail because this just looks like such a cool game with so many cool-looking minis that I can add to my collection of things that I have to paint that I never will. And I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up right now. I'm taking over the video portion of the feed here. So if you're looking at this on YouTube – you get to see their ghost miniature pack, which is uh, is an add-on that you can purchase, and they are all done in uh, translucent plastic. So they do look very ghost-like, and they are all gorgeous and frightening and absolutely... Uh, if you do miniature gaming or you use miniatures in your RPGs and stuff like that to represent what's going on, um, God, some of these are just absolutely would be wonderful for that setting. Um, so many beautiful miniatures. I'm just kind of scrolling through, going back. They have an exclusive colossal dark oak uh, figure, which could be used as perhaps maybe some kind of wood elemental. Um, so many different things you can repurpose as uh, other things. And it just, oh, the level of artistry that they put into these miniatures is just staggering. Yeah. Just staggering. All right, back to you, Glenn. That's it. It just looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, speaking and I of, want it. Uh, I, yeah, I, I wish I had money right now. And well, I don't have money. <laughs> that's why I hope that's, that's why I hope it ends up in my store because then I can buy it later. And uh, you know, and the thing is, ninety-five dollars gets you in on the base level. The next step up is one hundred and fifty. Now, um, for the amount of of artistry that they put into these miniatures, if you go through like, uh, what is it, Reaper miniatures, the the uh, the Mister Bones stuff. Uh, yep. If you get their packs, they're like a hundred bucks and you get a lot of miniatures for that. And, it, and again, if you use miniatures to represent stuff uh, in your RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons and whatever, that's, that's, that's perfect. So the fact that you're getting all these beautiful miniatures and a really kick-ass game 
kind of wrapped around it, um, $95 is really not a bad investment. Not a bad investment at all. And if you if you can get a couple people in and uh, do the 150 level, you get everything <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Um, Ah, oh, it just, uh, I wish I had, I wish I had money right now and I, and there's only eight days left to go. Ugh. So, well, there you go. You have lots of money, Brad. It is in bobbly headed icons standing behind you. <laughs> yeah. If only they had resale value, especially now that I've taken them out of the box. Yes, I am that person. And I, I read all my comic books too. Speculators sicken me. So there you go. Um, so what we're going to do is we're sort of breaking the mold a little bit, but this fits with the theme of, of what we're talking about for this particular episode. We are paying tribute to, to horror a bit. We talked about Mysterium, uh, which sounds like a great game, uh, deals with ghosts and mediums, speaking with ghosts to solve crimes. The Kickstarter that I, I picked for this week is Friday the 13th, The Game. Now, this is a computer game, uh, will be a uh, computer and console. Uh, is it an RPG? No, no, not really. But you get to be Jason Voorhees. <laughs> now, the things that are truly amazing about this and why I wanted to talk about it, one they're using the Unreal 4 engine. And anything that I have seen in the Unreal 4 engine, if you, if you surf YouTube, uh, they've had some videos where they've taken uh, some, some games like uh, Mario and pulled that into the Unreal 4 engine. I, the, rendering, the rendering system, that rendering engine for Unreal 4 is just, it's ridiculously amazing. The shadowing, everything the resolution on it, it, everything looks beautiful. And that's what they're using for this. And I'm going to do a screen share here so the folks that are checking us out on YouTube can see this. And this is a rendering of like the pier uh, by the camp at uh, Camp Crystal Lake. Now, granted, I've just blown this up a little bit. So it's not at its uh, original resolution. But trust me, that's that's beautiful. And... What's really amazing is some of the people that they got to do this. Kane, Kane Hoder, the guy who actually is Jason Voorhees, who wears you know the the, the whole outfit. Um, he does stunts, he does all sorts of stuff, but he is Jason. He is doing the mocap for the Jason in the game. That's that's part number one. Part number two. Uh, uh, Harry Manfredini, who is an 80s horror composer, is doing the music. He's doing the soundtrack for the game, which is really freaking cool. Um, so they are definitely trying to do as much as a straight-on uh, homage to the 80s horror genre. And it is truly truly beautiful sight to behold and yeah you do you do get to be jason 
Uh, for the first time since 1989, you had the opportunity to help bring a Friday the 13th video game to life. Stock camp counselors across Camp Crystal Lake as Jason Voorhees or assume the role of a helpless camper and attempt to survive the night. Come be a part of this incredible moment in video game and horror history. We definitely can't do it without you. And that's about the project on Kickstarter. Now, you can get in at the $5 level and that will get you a digital wall pack paper. Uh, I'm sorry, a digital wallpaper pack and uh, their eternal gratitude and a heartfelt thank you. Uh, if you go in at the $15 level, you get the digital soundtrack, which is composed by Harry Manfredini uh, and the digital wallpaper. But if you do 25, you get a download key for either PC, Xbox One or PS4. So if you're looking to do the console version, you need to make sure you've got the latest gen of the Xbox or PlayStation uh, product line. Or you can use your PC. Because Unreal 4, while it does beautiful renders, it, it needs some juice. And, uh, you know, Xbox 360 and PS3 don't have enough juice to make the magic happen. So there you go. Um, God, just some of the, I'm going to, going to do another screen share here because they've got more graphics from this that folks need to see. Um, there is the, uh, the entryway to the Camp Crystal Lake. Ah, there is, uh, Camp Counselor Clothing by the Lake. <laughs> as uh, what ends up happening in the 80s film. Here is one of the, here's the model that they put together for Jason. That's just his head. So you get, you know, it's, it's, it's the look of Jason. That's definitely Jason. Ugh, it just so amazing. And all of this, all the video stuff you're seeing is pre-alpha. So it's, this game is not going to be delivered until this time next year. So, you know, it's going to take a little bit before the game comes out, but with what they're, what they're doing here, it's going to be well worth the wait. Uh, like I said, are you going to be doing an, it's not a, really an RPG. It's a, you're assuming it's an, F, it's an FPS. Yeah. Essentially. First person, first person slasher. <laughs> Yeah, um, you're a counselor, or you're, or you're Jason, and that's the deal. So yeah, it kind of breaks our our normal rules that we have for um, our games. Typically, we try to do board games or RPGs uh, or digital RPGs, and you know, but you get to be Jason, so that's really kind of cool. So I figured I'd break the rules for that. And besides, it's our damn show. So there you go. Uh, yeah, and so like I said, twenty-five bucks gets you uh, gets you in the door, and you get to you get to have a copy of the game. Oh, thirty now. Oh, did they just uh, the, the the early bird is gone? It just closed up. <laughs> well, there you go. So, but you yeah. still got what, what do you got? You have twenty-six days to go still. Yeah. So there's they're they're only they're only four days in. <laughs> yeah. 
and Jesus, their goal is seven hundred thousand dollars. The one, I mean, you're you're paying to have Kane mocap the game and be Jason like he is in the films. Um, you're also paying for an '80s iconic horror composer, and you're paying for you know all the development to get this get the job done in Unreal Four. Uh, so seven hundred thousand dollars to make a game like this is peanuts. Uh, what was the game I was just reading about that they spent eighty-one million to do development for it? Oh crap! I can't remember what the game is now. It wasn't Skyrim. Oh shoot! I just read the story too. But I mean, multi-million dollars are are put forth in in major game developments. I'm certain that Fallout 4, I know, um, what was it? Um, Grand Theft Auto 5 was multi-millions as well. Um, so that's not to say that they're not going to make a good game because they're spending less than a million. No. Um, you know, they are cutting some of that overhead. They're not going to be spending as much in probably advertising for it, at least until they get it made. And then after they get it made, maybe they get another backer and then they do a, a big retail push. Who knows? But $700,000 is what they're looking for. Right now, they're at $438,094. So more than halfway there with 26 days to go. Uh, <laughs> this thing's going to get made. I, I know it. It's going to get made. Um so there you go. You have until Friday, November 13th to. <laughs> you have until Friday the 13th uh, to... <laughs> to get the game. Oh, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Not only are they hitting the Halloween season, they're ending it. They're capping it on a Friday the 13th. <laughs> that is just. Oh. Yeah, when I get paid, here we go. Remind me. Boop. Get in the game. Uh, so there you go. And that's all we're gonna say about. And we're gonna have a link, and you can check out some of the uh, some of the videos. They've got some uh, some of the promo video and some of the pre-alpha video uh, of the game development and stuff like that that you should really really check out on this one. So, all right. And then keeping in on our theme, we're going to move into our discussion segment. And we are actually going to talk about horror-themed board games that we enjoy playing. Now, uh, we're just, a, what, two weeks? No, we're a week away. No. Well, a week and a half. Yeah. Well. 13 days. 13 it's two, two, week, two weeks from yesterday. Uh, basically, two weeks from yesterday. And uh, we're at Halloween. So we thought this would be a good time for us to talk about horror-themed games and give you a chance to maybe plan out games you might want to play at your party that you're holding for Halloween. Or if you don't have a party, maybe just an impromptu game session. Games that really put forth the the theme of horror that uh, Glenn and I have played before and or enjoy playing. And I'm going to start out, I'm going to throw out um, 
God, my favorite uh, betrayal at House on the Hill. I knew that one was coming. <laughs> I, it's, I quite honestly, um, I can't think of a game that one I enjoy playing more. <laughs> and we've we've gone on and on about that game. It's it's level of replayability and the theme. Um, you know, you don't need dice. I mean, you were talking about you don't like board games where you can get screwed on on moving. Your speed is determined on the card of the character that you pick, and it can adjust. Uh, not beyond that point, but at least, well, yeah, I can. You can kick up your speed beyond whatever you start at. Um, yep. And but it also can be you can be penalized. You can be injured or whatever, and have your speed reduced but you at least move one and if you move one you move into a room and things can happen um especially if you are at the point where you're still building the house uh, things can most certainly happen so um i can't think of a time i've played the game and i've been like oh this is boring it's never boring <laughs> if you're bored playing that game you're doing something wrong um so, um, what, uh, what game would you throw out, Glenn? Uh, well, one of the ones I would throw out would be Eldritch Horror. Um, there was a, well, there was, there still is a game called Arkham Horror, which is, uh, based on, you know, the works of H.P. Lovecraft and Cthulhu. And Eldritch Horror is the next iteration, basically, of that, where it goes outside the city of Arkham into a global scale where you have to uncover these uh, stuff going on with the Elder Gods, and it is such a fun game. Um, it has taken everything that was a bit clunky about Arkham Horror and improved upon it and made it uh, just play a lot smoother and a lot quicker, too. I mean, I still love Arkham Horror, which is still it's in the same universe, but this one, uh, it just, if I don't have the three to four hours to play a game, I can play this one instead and I get my little Cthulhu fix all at the same time. Yeah. I don't think I, I've, I don't know. Th I haven't played Eldritch horror, but I have played Arkham horror and that that's a game that you really most likely are not going to win when you play. <laughs> you need to go in with that thought process. Hey, if we're you're probably nun, going to lose. If you're the nun with a Tommy gun, you're probably going to win. <laughs> I've, I've never lost any of Arkham Horror where I, when I have been Sister Mary. So really? I, I, I am a, I am an ass chicken nun. Huh. <laughs> I can't remember what character I played, but oh man, we got just wiped, wiped off that board. It yeah, was that's sad. happened to me too. But uh, yeah. No, Sister Mary shot Cthulhu in the face with a machine gun. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, she was... I mean, that's one where, I mean, you know, I say the dice thing. The dice can, can love you or hate you in that game. and They love Sister Mary. <laughs> they hate Trash Can Pete. I, yeah. Trash I... Can Pete, Trash Can Pete, whatever he is. Yeah, I... I didn't do well with him. <laughs> he got devoured. Yeah, I'm trying to think. The I last time I played that was probably 1992. Um, 
so yeah it's been a while <laughs> um but you know I just, that's the thing i remember most is just stuff was generating in in the graveyard and, and it got out of control really fast um that i remember <sighs> okay well the next up i love the flying frog games and <laughs> And one of my favorites is A Touch of Evil. Um, the nice thing about the Flying Frog games is that they don't exist in a vacuum. And by that, I mean you can go to the Flying Frog site and they actually have updates that you can get for the game. Now, that could either be additional rules that you can download or they do have expansion packs for... Uh, for the games. So like for A Touch of Evil, I know that there is at least two or three expansions. Like additional, uh, additional, at least one or if not two additional bad guys that you can run into. Um, gosh, I should take a look at that. It's been a while and they probably added more uh, to that, they're at Flying Frog Productions. There we go. A Touch of Evil. Um, ba -ba -ba. Yeah, so they added the uh, Bulgavian Nutcracker, which is a, a web-exclusive villain. It was a uh, basically a Christmas-themed villain. A The Shadow Witch, which is a Halloween villain that they put out. And then last year, they did another Christmas-themed, and they added Krampus, the Holiday Devil. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they, they put out great stuff. They have a sense of humor. And uh, the figures, the board, the, the cards, um, you know, the thing that I really like is they do – basically, it's modified – uh, what's a good way to basically it's modified photography. So they'll take a photograph of a person and then augment the photo a little bit uh, with the color, with filters, whatever. And so, I mean, the, the characters look a little real. So it, you know, it's not just illustrations, not to say that that's bad. That's just their style. And it's very, it's a very unusual style, which really kind of sets their stuff, I think, apart visually speaking. Um, and it's just uh, what uh, Last Night on Earth, Invasion from Outer Space, uh, Conquest of Planet Earth. I mean, they have a whole line of, of games that all have a horror aspect to them, whether that's, well, Fortune and Glory, I don't think really qualifies for that. No, not entirely. But, but I also love how they they play on a lot of the tropes from modern horror. Yeah, I mean, one, in Last Day on Earth, one of my favorite cards that you can play if you're a zombie player, if there are two heroes in the same square, you play the "This could be our last day on Earth" card. <laughs> yes, I have seen no, that. Nothing gets you killed faster in a horror <laughs> film than having sex. <laughs> yes. Uh, An invasion from outer space is really the setting for it is so unusual because you are you're a traveling circus from basically the 50s 
is what it really kind of looks and feels. Well, somewhere between the 30s and the 50s. Yeah. Um, and if anybody here has seen Invasion, uh, Invaders from Mars, or what was that, the Tim Burton film? Um, they're like the oh, Mars attacks. Mars attacks. Thank you. And they're the the aliens with like the glass helmets. I mean, that's kind of what the alien uh, characters, the, the 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 miniatures look like in the game. Um, Don't run. We come in peace. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, last night on Earth, you've got um, growing hunger, which is another expansion for it. So it just so many wonderful games from the flying. This almost sounds like an ad for Flying Frog. It's it's not, um, but we just love their stuff so much that you know, to not mention Flying Frog when it comes to horror-based games would be very very remiss. And if you have not experienced their stuff, you're in for a treat. Um, yep. Uh, a box of one of the I think it's around fifty to fifty-five. Am I, is that? about right oh, for uh for last night on earth yeah uh 55 sounds right okay but i mean the, you know and the other nice thing too is they they give you miniatures and they are unfinished they don't need to be finished but if you are a miniature painter you can put your your signature on them essentially you can paint them however you would like to um and and add that extra element uh to the game so um gosh yeah well, I actually, 60 to 65 is what they run oh okay okay still well worth it but still a well worth it b um you know still within the normal price range that we talk about for good uh for good board games uh that have a lot of um a lot of artwork, uh, you know, and there are cards in this game and the cards are beautifully made and done and a high quality card stock. Um, so you're paying for quality for, for the flying frog stuff for sure. All right. I'm done pimping for flying frog. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's your next pick? Uh, this, uh, this one, uh, is, boy, this is one of the board games I played a long time ago and it's, been in and out of print. It's a harder one to find at times, but uh, Fury of Dracula. Oh. Uh, this one is a lot of fun. Uh, so it is, um, it's, if you've ever played like Scotland Yard or any games like that, it's kind of like that where you have one player plays Dracula. Everyone else plays all those people trying to kill Dracula. Yeah. Um, it's set on an absolutely beautiful looking board that's you know made to be like an old time map, and um, so Dracula is constantly roaming from location to location, and the rest of the people. So you know uh, Mina Harker and uh, Doctor Van Helsing, you're trying to destroy him. Uh, you have a limited time to do that in, and I mean part of my love of it is just the fact that I love gothic horror. Um, Bram Stoker's Dracula is just I, I love that book. I, I love. The mythology has just sprung up all around that. That, uh, as well as as well as the mythology of actual uh, vampires throughout so many different cultures. Um, I also love the fact that I have never lost as Dracula. <laughs> um, and a lot of times, it's uh, I twice I've ended up getting kind of a cheesy win because 
the hunters can, can track you all over Europe, but they can't touch you if you're on a boat. Um, and the thing is, though, is you can't just stay on a boat forever because every turn you spend on a boat, you take a point of damage if you're Dracula because, you know, day one you've eaten the crew. Now you've got nothing left to do except, <laughs> you know, hide underneath because the sun will fry you. So you, you take damage as, as long as you're out there. So I always try to arrange it so that I go, okay, I have this much life left. I have, you know, say four life. There are three turns left in the game. I'm going to get on a boat and take it for three turns because then they can't get me for those last three turns. And it's a bit of a dick move, but I'm like, no, it's not a dick move. It's that's, that's being smart. Dracula has not lived as long as he's lived because he's an idiot. So, but it's, it's, it's a fun game because it's not just a simple, they don't just have to simply, you know, don't tell us this to the, land in your space and you're caught no they then have to get to you and then also beat you in a fight <laughs> so it's it's a pretty cool game i like it a lot it's it's uh it is a longer play game um but uh it's, it's one of those ones that i don't bust it a lot because it's not for everyone not everyone is into the whole chase thing because for some people it, it can be frustrating um but when I do break it out, it's usually a, usually a pretty fun time for everyone. I, mean, I, need to, I haven't played it for a while. I need to pop that one out again, perhaps during my Halloween game day that I'm running this year. There you go. And in fact, uh, Rob Benton, who is on episode two, uh, he and his family have that game, and uh, they really enjoyed it. And it got down to the wire. It was... Uh, Actually, Rob and Ian, who has also been on the show, he was on episode six. Uh, they kind of got down to the wire and uh, Dracula lost. Ooh. Yeah. And it's currently out of print. There is a third edition that is currently uh, being made. <laughs> so third edition will be out. I have it on order at my store. It's going to be going for 62 bucks. It's from a Fantasy Flight Games. Nice. who also does the Eldritch Horror Arkham Horror line. Ah, there you go. Yep. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think my, my third and final pick here that I'm going to do is a cheap-ass game Ooh. called Renfield. <laughs> I love Renfield. <laughs> now, uh, when we had uh, uh, Roland Coons on uh, last week, uh, and he's doing, oh my God, I just forgot the name of the company. Uh, Bootstrap. Scr scr scroungeable, scroungeable Games. Scroungeable Games. Yep. So, sorry, Roland. Uh, <laughs> uh, cheap Ass is along the same lines. You They give you materials that are specific to the game, but then they tell you, um, like in this particular one, you need money to play. So if you've got a set of Monopoly um, use that Monopoly money, and uh, you can play this game. Uh, God, the thing that I really loved about the like the original, the original stuff from Cheap Ass, you'll notice I'm holding up uh, one of the three different decks of cards that you get with this for Renfield, and each one of them has a band of paper which somebody at the Cheap Ass company cut up a catalog and it has actually on this one they are magic cards so it's from a 
from uh, a catalog that had magic cards in it. And they just sliced it up, taped it together, and that's your band for this particular pack of cards. So, I mean, Cheap Ass was exactly that. I can't remember what I paid for, for my copy of Renfield, but the rules for this, just on a printed sheet. Um, and the other thing about Cheap Ass, too, is sometimes stuff went to print, and it went to print with an error. And then they included a sheet here saying, hey, we screwed up. Here's what you need to do, and that'll fix it. So that was inside of my rules. But essentially, uh, Renfield, here we go. A cheap-ass card game for four to seven players. Mmm, bugs. You can't eat just one. Welcome to the wonderful world of Renfield, where gravediggers and other miscreants spend their uh, spare time playing a brutal game of cards. During the week, these grisly fellows make their living digging up the freshly dead and pawning off their ill-gotten bits to the body shops and boneyards of parts unknown. That's another cheap-ass game, Parts Unknown. Uh, so you can only imagine the kind of game these guys play to unwind. Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. Uh, what you get, the Renfield deck, 54 cards in three suits, plus this fine rule book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the goal of the game, the object of the game is to take the fewest points as long as you take at least one. The points are represented as yummy, delicious bugs on the cards. And that's what I was showing you before, these three bands of cards, which total up to the 54 cards in the deck. Uh, you have to eat at least one bug, at least take one point to win the game. But among the people who take bugs, the ones who take the least bugs win. Okay, eating bugs is not the real object of the game. The point is really to soak the other grave diggers for their pocket change. Eating bugs is just the fun part. <laughs> I just love the rules, the style, the spirit of cheap-ass games. The level of... I mean, for those of you who know who Phil Folio is, uh, Phil Foglio, Foglio, gosh, I'm having a hard time saying his name. Um, he's a great artist and writer, uh, he's currently doing Girl Genius, has been doing it for a while, um, a great steampunk-themed um, uh, webcomic that has been uh, collected into, uh, actually collected issues. And uh, he ended up meeting the cheap-ass crew and working with them doing stuff, and uh, he did uh, a lot of art for um, Deadwood Studios uh, and some other of the cheap-ass games, and that whole irreverent... I hate using that word. That sounds really freaking pretentious, but tongue in cheek, uh, I guess is the best way to say it. A great sense of humor. And that is put into each and every one of the cheap ass games. And Renfield really falls into that horror. It's more comedy horror. Um, but the theme remains as Renfield was of course the, uh, minion of Dracula. So, there you go. That is my final final pick for horror-based games. What is your final pick, Glenn? I actually have two more I want to hit really quick. What? Um, yeah, I'm breaking the rules, baby. Oh, you are a rebel. Um, hit us. Let's hear it. First one is called Student Bodies. Uh, Student <laughs> Bodies is a zombie game uh, about a zombie outbreak in, a high, in a, basically a high school. Okay. And what you have to do is that you start the game infected. Everyone starts the game infected. And you have to make your way through the, through the school into the lab 
find the antidote, inject yourself with it, and then escape. Of course, everyone's trying to do this, so it's you know, it's you think, hey, we're all on the same team. No, you're not, because as soon as you get the antidote, if once you make it out the doors, the first person out, then the doors lock behind you, locking everyone else inside. Um, also, if you die in the game, you then become a zombie character, and you can then openly attack the players, which you can do as a human as well. If you want to hit someone so they don't get ahead of you, you can do that. Um, well, the thing I like about this game uh, is the fact that they stayed true to the high school theme. There's no guns laying around. Well, I mean, you know, not the the actual uh, American high school, not the movie TV perception of high school. So there are no guns laying around. You can't find a chainsaw or anything, you know, Molotov cocktails all over the place. You have to make do with, like, you know, a mop and just your feet. <laughs> so it's it's pretty challenging. I, I like that one a lot. The other one I wanted to hit on was one of my favorite game designers, uh, Antoine Bauza. Um, I've talked about, I've reviewed some of his other stuff before. This one's called Ghost Stories. Oh, yeah. And this is a cooperative game. And it is, first of all, it is pretty darn hard. <laughs> as are all of Bowser's cooperative games. But this one, I like it because it's it's different than most of the horror that you're going to see here in, in the U.S. because this one is a Japanese or uh, Asian theme to it um, because you all play Taoists, uh, basically priests, uh, trying to exercise uh, ghosts protecting this village uh, from uh, the Lord of Hell, Wu Feng, and his legion of ghosts before they overrun the town. Um, it's a pretty cool game. I like the mechanics to it, and it's just, it's definitely a challenge. Um, I have won once out of four times. Oh, wow, yeah. I, I've heard that, um, again, I go back to the Bentons, but that was another one. They picked up um, Fury of Dracula and Ghost Stories. <laughs> what are the odds? And, uh, yeah, they were talking about how wonderful the theme was, Um and and how uh, how incredibly difficult that it was. Yes. So definitely, definitely two I would recommend picking up. Okay. All right. So you know we've kind of gone all over the board here, as it were, um, <laughs> in like different varying game costs. Um, you know the the cheap ass game is going to be on the lower end of the spectrum. That that was Renfield. And your more expensive one, looking at this, I want to say probably Eldritch Horror. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're all over the board price-wise here, and, 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 and that's okay. Uh, we just wanted to give you guys a good overview of some great horror-themed games that you can play. And uh, we talked about board games. Renfield is technically a card game, but, you know, whatever. Um, still, it's fun. Still, it's worth playing. <laughs> so, uh, tomato, you should. Tomato. <laughs> so you should check these games out. Um, so if you are doing a, um, excuse me, if you're doing some kind of uh, a game party for Halloween or around Halloween, uh, you should check out these games. If you find another game that you think that we should have talked about but we didn't, you can contact us at galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. 
and let us know what games you would choose for your Halloween-themed or horror-themed party. So uh, we'd love to hear from you and talk more about games because, by God, we love games, and that's what we do the show uh, about. So, uh, all right. Well, thank you for that, Glenn. Um, Absolutely. We are going to go into Hello, My Name Is, and uh, normally we just give the pitch and say, hey, please send us something. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but our good friend, uh, last episode, uh, Roland Coons had mentioned that he was going to offer his services and do a drawing of one of the character or one character that we would choose if you guys submitted characters to us for Hello, My Name Is. And we ended up getting three. And we're going to talk about these three. And then we are going to do our pick of who the lucky winner is. And we are going to pick that person. Because we have three, I'm going to use a D6. Somebody's going to get one and two. Somebody's going to get three, four. Somebody's going to get five, six. This is my cigar box of dice. And if you are checking us out on YouTube, you well, if you're listening to us on audio, you definitely heard that shake. Uh, this is a cigar box of some significance. Uh, these are, I bought cigars when my son was born and this is the cigar box. I kept it, still has the wonderful cedar smell in it and I have used it for holding my extra dice. So I'm going to pull a D6 out of the box after we're done talking about these three characters and we are going to make that selection. So uh, first up, is Nicholas from Quebec, Canada. Hey, see people listen to us uh, across the border, which is... International, baby! And uh, Nicholas is playing a character called Black Blades in the game system Exalted 2.5. And the reason he enjoyed playing the character is because there is a thing in Exalted with casts. My character being a lunar Humboldt calamari totemed assassinish character. <laughs> There's a lot going on in Exalted, and uh, I've had the opportunity to play that. A uh, uh, friend of mine, um, Brett Bowling, is his name. Um, he loves the Exalted setting. It's it is fun. It's it's a different flavor of of Pathfinder essentially, <clears throat> and. Uh, it's a it is a it's a very interesting game. The world is very rich and, um, gosh, I had I was playing a a character that had a oh, what was this? it's been so long since I played it now though had a great sunblade sort of a thing. It looked like um what was his name in Final Fantasy that had the big sword. Don't ask me. I didn't play his Final Fantasy games. Yeah, that's what I... I did a 3D render of him, and I modeled it after the, the sword after that. Uh, anyways, enough about my character. Let's talk about Nicholas's. Uh, I chose the Changing Moon cast as it offered an illusionary power where you imitate people. What is nice is that this ex-low-level cutthroat had social attributes favored from this, and as gameplay went on, he became the main ambassador talker and became a romantic gallant. 
So that's Nicholas's character, uh, Black Blades. Uh, Number two here is from Brendan, and he's from Austin, Texas. And his character's name is Iroh from D&D 5th Edition. Uh, Iroh is a trash-talking, nonconformist, kick-punching monk devoted to the ways of the elements. Though named after a well-known firebender, the Iroh, uh, this Iroh is essentially a D&D airbender. I went so far as to deny myself the class features based on elements other than air, i.e. The, the ability to cast fireball using key points. If Iroh were on Twitter, his handle would be Punch Monk Love. <laughs> I like that. Thank you, Brendan. And uh, last but certainly not least is Joe from Madison, Wisconsin. His character's name is Leon, and he is from the system Shadowrun. He is socially awkward, clumsy, and nerdy, but capable of pulling everything together in a do-or-die situation. And I uh, want to thank Joe and Brendan and Nicholas for taking the time to send us their characters' information and uh, letting us talk about their characters. Uh, I've managed to play in all three of these systems no, I take that back. I have not played D&D 5th Edition. Have you played Exalted, Glenn? I have not played Exalted, but I've played the other two. Okay. So you and I kind of flip-flop at that certain point. <laughs> We've played two out of the three. Um, you can go to galacticnetcasts.com and go to the Adventure Party page in the podcast section, and there is an icon for Hello, My Name Is. And when you click that, we ask little bits of information, uh, your name, and we do ask for your email address. I am not going to spam you. I hate spamming and spammers. I wish they would all disappear from the earth. The only reason that I would want that information is if we pick your character, and I've picked all three, so they are each going to be receiving, and uh, Nicholas, Brendan, and Joe will be getting a frameable certificate from us as a way of saying thank you um, uh, for taking the time to send us the information about their characters. And uh, we just really appreciate it. So we want to give something back. But this time, we are going to be giving something additional back. And that's thank to, thanks to Roland Coons of Scroungeable Games. And I am going to... Oh, here we go. Ah, my beautiful slate gray six-sider here. Uh, we are going to do, Nicholas is going to get numbers one and two. Brendan is going to get three and four. And Joe is going to get five and six. And I am going to roll this, and you will probably hear me roll it on my uh, podcast table here. And I will let you know who the winner is. And we will be passing... The only bits of information we're going to pass on to Roland is your character's name and the information, and we won't be handing him out your email address. We're going to stick to that. No spamming. You give us the personal information, we're not going to share it. All right, here we go. We're going to roll it. Ho-ho. Rolled a one. That means Nicholas is our winner. So, Nicholas, we're going to be sending that information on to Roland, and he will be making your character, and we will be sending you the character. Oh, 
uh, once he's got the artwork completed. And uh, as Roland said, um, all rights are yours, so you can reuse it for your character sheet or whatever you want to use it for. So there you go. Thank you very much for uh, for for from Nicholas. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me for Nicholas, Brendan, and Joe taking the time to fill out the information at hello my name is really appreciate that uh we're going to wrap things up uh you can find out more about the adventure party by going to galacticnetcasts.com and there you can find all of our social media outlets that we uh put our stuff on and the youtube channel where we post the live uncensored video uh where you can hear everything we talk about errors and all warts and all you get to see it and lucky you uh, and you also get to see when we do screen shares of uh, artwork for games that we're talking about and things like that. We try to reference that throughout the show to let you know that if you can't imagine what we're talking about, there is another place you can go and you can actually see what we're talking about. Um, so there you go. Uh, if you're using iTunes or Stitcher to listen to the audio component of this <clears throat> on your particular podcast catcher, uh, take a moment to uh, uh, give us a review by letting us know what you think. Uh, Stitcher, it's thumbs up, thumbs down, and iTunes, it's a star system. Not gonna, not gonna beg you for five stars, but vote us and let us know. You know, whatever level you think we're at. If we're at a four star, so be it, and just let us know what we can improve on. Uh, the things that you like, things that you don't like. Uh, you taking the time to give us that feedback will help us try to make a better show, a more listenable show, or maybe focus on things that we should focus more on or do away with things that uh, maybe we don't need to be talking about. You can help us shape this show into being a little bit better. And you can leave us feedback by emailing galacticnetcasts at gmail.com or you can call or text 805-328-3966. Again, 805 805- Three two eight three nine six six, and you can leave a voice or text message. You can also go to the website, and on the left-hand side, you can click the little box there that says "Leave a message." And if you have a microphone attached to your computer, you can record a voice message, which gets emailed to us, and we can talk about it and play it on the show. <coughs> Excuse me, my voice is voice getting a little dry here at the end. Uh, I want to thank you, Glenn, for uh, taking the time to share some knowledge and uh, help us pick some great horror-themed games for the upcoming Halloween uh, festival time that we have coming up here and uh, joining us on this journey. Uh, where can people find out more about B-Movie Bunker and Mist Runner? Well, you can find out more on Facebook. You can find me at uh, Mr. Runner the RPG or BBB Bunker or Naked Hobo Productions or on YouTube, Naked Hobo Productions and the BBB Bunker. But the best way is just to simply follow me on Twitter at Naked Hobo. <laughs> Never, All gets old. Never gets old. Naked Hobo. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining the adventure party. May your characters never die and your adventures always be epic. Thank you and good night. You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about this show and others, go to gncasts.com. 
That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.